black woman, beautiful, powerful, resilient female of African descent with skin kissed by the sun. Conversation, a talk, especially an informal one between two or more people in which news and ideas are exchanged. We love being black women. Black women are ambitious. Black women are confident. Black women are diligent. We are tenacious. We walk out of our houses put together. We are many shades and personalities of fabulous. But we as black women don't talk about our dilemmas, current events, and what's going on every day that affects us. So we created this podcast as a way to laugh together, cry together, and have an open conversation about life as black women. Oh, that's deep. Black Women Conversations. Nicole. Hey, Janine. How's your week been? So I survived Harrison's birthday party this weekend. So you guys know that my baby turned three years old this weekend. So I don't know what to do. You know, I realized like I don't have a baby anymore. I don't have a baby. I don't know where the time went. I mean, I feel like just a little while ago, I had a little bitty baby that wanted me to hold him all the time. And now He's like independent, but still throwing like toddler tantrums. But, you know, this year I did not have a party planner. So this is my first Harrison birthday party without a planner. And I can say party planners are worth every penny. And the next time I throw another party, it'll be with a planner because I'm not doing this anymore. My, your first world problems, my dear. I know. I mean, I I know. And I'm very happy that I got to celebrate him. I'm happy I got to spend time with friends and family. A lot of my coworkers came as well and they brought their kids. But it was just a lot going on. Like that whole weekend, it was a lot going on. It's still a lot going on. So y'all pray my strength because I'm just glad the weekend is winding down and I'm going to be back to regular work. And that means that I have what, three more weeks left of work? Three more weeks left of work. Are you excited? Are you excited to be done with your, your current job? Well, I, you know, I'm still negotiating contracts, so I'm not that excited. I'll be excited when I sign an actual contract and I know 100% where I'm going. To me, it always makes me nervous when you say, oh, well, I need to change I want to change X, Y, and Z in my contract. And they say, you know what? Our leadership would like to meet with you again. You know, can we have a a quick conference call sometime next week to talk about that? Almost like, okay, y'all are going to convince me as to why I don't need the things changed in my contract that I'm telling you I need. And I'm going to have to go from being really nice to being like, no, I'm not going to do this. So it makes me nervous because I feel like these Little last minute details can be very much so uh, a breaking point. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm staying positive, but we we shall see what happens. The good thing is that one, it's a great time to be a black woman. And two, this is probably, at least in my lifetime, the most, um, I would say, power or control that employees have since I've been alive. Because traditionally it's been an employer's market where they can just say, oh, well, we can find somebody else. Now there's clearly a shortage of workers. So sounds like you're going to get what you want. They probably just want to feel better about themselves and talk to you about it. 
That's how I feel. Because at the end of the day, if they need you, they're going to pay for you. Well, it's not about it's not about pay. You know, it's not about pay um, because we've agreed on. And when I signed the letter of intent, it says you agree on the big things, right? You agree on the salary, the bonus, you know, um, relocation. You agree on those things. So we've gotten the big things out of the way. Now this is like the small things like intellectual property that people, you know, just sort of skim over in their contracts, you know, termination clauses, like how you can get terminated or how you can get demoted. Like, oh, you're the director now, but we can really make you not director if we really want you to, which means we can make you do all the work to start this. And then all of a sudden we can take that title away and just put somebody that's like a bald headed white guy in this position and just give you another contract. You know, those kind of things that, you don't realize you need to take care of to protect yourself and your leadership is the stuff that we're like, okay, okay, I cannot sign this. But I understand that a lot of it probably is standard when it comes to certain contracts. So certain companies aren't going to flex on that. So then it comes down to, are you going to flex or are they going to flex? And I'm not flexing. So that may mean I'm going somewhere else. I don't blame you. But intellectual property is a big one. Like I wonder, I guess it's probably not as traditionally not as big in the medical field. But to me, intellectual property is huge. Like if I have to work somewhere where they would like to own my intellectual property, I'm not interested at all. Like you can own it while I work for you in specific circumstances. But outside of that, like, no, it came out of my brain. It's mine. You all can use it while I work here. But I need you all to understand that I own it. That That's a big thing for me. But that's I'm also in the creative field, so... But it's a huge thing for any anybody. And especially if like, let's say I was a researcher. I'm not. But if I did academics and I wanted to research and I wanted to apply for grants, right? But then someone just upset me. So I want to quit my job or not re- renew my contract. That grant money can either go with me to my next institution or it's the property of where I'm employed. I mean, that is the difference in terms of who owns the intellectual property. And most of the time it's like, hey, if you have work product, like, oh, I practice, you know, high risk OBGYN. If I'm doing something as an, a high risk OBGYN on behalf of the company, I can understand that intellectual property. But if I'm doing something not on behalf of the company and I'm speaking because I'm doing stuff for pregnancy pearls, then why do I have to tell you what I'm doing and and pay you? You know, like, I don't understand that. So um, those kind of things, those kind of details have to be worked out. So we're working on it. We'll see what happens. I want to go somewhere where my child can grow and flourish. You know, I feel like I can go really anywhere and be fine. But, you know, when you're raising a little black boy, you got to think about like, what kind of environment I'm going to put him in? You know, what's the racial climate like, you know, where I'm going? Am I going to stay there for a long time or am I going to get there and be unhappy and then have to move him around? And how is that move going to impact him? So I'm thinking about all of that right now, not just like, oh, is the money good? You know, the money's going to be good because I'm not going to sign nowhere. The money's not good. But is Harrison going to be good? So I'm very paranoid about making that right decision. So it's not, there's not a like, oh, I definitely want to live like in Chicago or I definitely want to live in Atlanta. It's just, you know, where what's going to be the right place to cultivate him so that he can flourish. 
So then he can go make some money and take care of me later. Just saying. So just letting you know that the DMV has some amazing schools. You don't have to worry about what happens with Harrison. And we have a very open racial climate. I mean, I would suggest that around here, it's pretty diverse. And, you know, people don't tend to be as crazy as they are other places. Just saying, if we are going to raise Harrison in Texas or the DMV, if we're worried about racial climate, I think that the DMV would be a better choice personally. And if we're concerned about the level of education, you know, primary education that Harrison is going to get, DC has some amazing schools. I can make some recommendations. I mean, my alma mater would be a great school for Harrison to go to. Just saying. I hear you. I hear you. But it's not all the South. You know, a lot of our listeners are definitely from Alabama and Georgia, those which has amazing school systems. So I can't knock them either. Now, Texas, you know, I'm I'm in Texas. I know I love our listeners from Texas, but y'all crazy. And we already know we got to get on up out of here because, uh, yeah, all the, the climate for women's health here is what makes us have to get on up out of here just in general. But you know, the whole Roe v. Wade thing, it looks like it's going to come down. Um, so it's going to be America. So I'm, you know, we're looking at some places in Canada, just in case we have to fly and uh, take cover. I'm just saying, shout out I mean, to all I, our listeners in Canada. Shout out to y'all. I'm not actually mad at it. I, I actually interviewed for a position in Canada. What? Last year, I think it was like 2020, 2021. I'm not mad at it. Let me tell you something. If I could make the equivalent money in Canada or Europe that I make here now to sustain my same level of living, I would move without question. I think that Ken would be on board too, but I would move because America's getting a little, I'm not going to say America because there are other parts of America. The United States is getting a little sketchy. It's getting a little sketchy. Not really interested in being here, but you know, this is this is my homeland, apparently. So y'all, when that doctor got shot this week in Oklahoma by a patient, he had just done surgery on two weeks before because the patient came back and said he was in pain. I said, Oh no, they don't pay us enough to deal with this kind of BS. They don't pay us enough, and they are not protecting us enough to be dealing with these type of people. What is wrong with people and people going and shooting up grocery stores and trying to kill all the black folks? What is going on? And we haven't done any gun reform. Then they went and, you know, the 18 year old that went and shot up all those kids in in Texas, right outside of San Antonio. I'm just like, what is the world coming to right now? So, yeah, I mean, the Canadians looking at us like, "Mm, what y'all doing down there in America? What are y'all doing? Yeah. I mean, everyone is probably looking at us like that. Other countries do not have the same level of violence. And the biggest difference between us and these other countries is that they have stricter gun control laws. We just want everyone to be able to have a gun. Why? Why is that even a thing? Why? Why does everyone need a gun? That's the part that I keep asking. Let's just say the, the right to bear arms. I get it. You, you should have the right to, but why does everyone need to? That's the part that I'm not understanding. Maybe if everyone did not feel the need to have a weapon all of the time, we would all just feel safer. 
But it's almost like one person feels like they need to have a gun and then it's this ripple effect and now everyone is carrying around a gun. The moment someone turns 18, they're like, well, it's like getting your license. Got to get a gun. No, it's not necessary. It's definitely not necessary. Um, I don't really know, especially when people are buying like AR-15s. Like if you're not buying a shotgun to go hunt, I don't understand the need for the rest of them. That's just me. I don't understand the need for it. And, you know, I used to say, you know, I wish somebody would, right? I wish you would. Now I'm like, you know what? I don't want no problems. Like people popping off, you know, you just don't know people's state of mind. Now I'm just like, I just let people pop off because I'm like, at the end of the day, I want to make it home. And if people are like going into, you know, clinics and things and shooting people up, I just, mm -mm. I mean, patients have done ridiculous things, popped off at the front office person because they had to wear a mask. I'm like, the front office person didn't make the rules. Like, why are you popping off at her? I Like, I don't understand. But like, that could be somebody that's so mad one day and comes in and just shoots up the place. So I'm just like, you know what? we need to get some bulletproof, you know, glass across the check-in window, you know, almost like you're rolling up to the McDonald's drive-thru. Like you had to pull the little window back, the, the bulletproof window, you know, can I help you? How can I help you? Because nowadays you just don't know what people say. And I used to be like that person that'd be like, okay, if you had a problem, you need, you can go. I would literally go to the front. Now I'm like, you know what? Let me tell my manager to handle that. You know, she can calm people down. Because I don't have the time to calm people down. I would just tell people they can exit. <laughs> they don't, want, don't get an attitude with my front office person. You don't have to be taken care of here. But no, I'm going to let my front office person handle that because people just trying to pop off. Listen, I'm trying to make it home to my child because folks yeah. are crazy. I think that mental health should be an insurance requirement like your annual pap smear and your annual like physical. You should have to have an annual mental exam. Honestly, I think that it would solve not all of this because I think that gun control is the majority of the problem. But I do think that it would solve some issues where people would at least be able to see and or be put on a radar so someone could watch them. Because I think that pe everybody is just uh, one incident away from from snapping. I really believe that. Like it just gets closer and closer and people are just losing it. Even not even with just shootings, but like. I watched a a video on TikTok just the other day where one of the managers at Popeye's got upset with his employee and socked her in the face. Like, is it ever going to be that serious? She better than me. She better than me. I I'm telling you, I do not do well with disrespect. I just don't do well with it because I will res respect you. And we can respectfully have a conversation and disagree all day. But when you put your hands on me, ah, you're going to have a problem on your hands because I'm going to put my hands back on you. And then I might sue you for putting your hands on me the first time because you should have never put your hands on me. And then I wouldn't have reacted to you putting your hands on me. So, uh, yeah, I just, mm-mm, no, 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 mm-mm. She would have got molly wafted in there. I'm telling you, I do not do well with that. The That MD would have came off me. I'm serious. You cannot put your hands on me. And then if you're a superior, how dare you not know how to control yourself and keep your hands off somebody? How dare you? Mm -mm, no, the Lord's still working on me, y'all. Ooh, he's still working because I'm telling you, baby Jesus would have had to come down and tell me to calm down. 
Let me tell you, you something, Nicole. I agree with you 100%, but <laughs> the only difference between you and I is I wouldn't be suing because you would be in the morgue. Let me tell you something. First of all, the manager was a man. So if a man, I don't care whether he was a manager, subordinate, whatever, socks me in the face, it's a blackout period between the time that you sock me and the time that someone pulls me off of you. Point blank period. And if it means that you, the next home that you have is six feet under, you shouldn't have hit me. That's how I feel. You shouldn't have hit me. You shouldn't have put your hands on me. I can't be held responsible for what I did after you put your hands on me. That's all I'm saying. Speaking of disrespect, can we for two seconds talk about this DL Monique situation? I I am like, so let me tell you something. You know that we've talked about Monique before, right? And so I feel like in my heart of hearts, because Monique is a black woman and there are not that many black female, successful black female comedians, I've been trying to hold out for her. Even through her crazy with Lee Daniels and her crazy with Tyler Perry and her crazy with everyone else, right? But as you know, we personally know DL, right? So when the attacks first started happening, I kind of thought it was like a bit, right? And it was an, a disagreement over his con- their contract and who was headlining. It was really just immature, in my opinion. But then Monique got to the point of being disrespectful to DL's character and his family. And even, I think he even went as far to talk about his wife, his kids and his dog. Like at some point you have to realize that no matter how you feel on a professional level, certain things are off limits. And those things that are off limits are someone's family, someone's dog. I would consider that their family, specifically someone's children. And Essentially, anything outside of their career is off limits. You just don't talk about it. Like, we're not fighting dirty. But I just want to give a shout out to D.L. Hughley for gathering Monique up real good. <laughs> Let me tell you, that thing, then by that thing, I mean D.L., so eloquently gathered up Monique and called her an occupational hazard. And I was done. I was like, kudos to D.L. Hughley. Monique, please go somewhere, have a, have a few moments, evaluate where you are in your life and your career, evaluate how you feel like you got here, and regroup and come back with some more positive, like, vibes, some more, some more positivity. And, like, let's not be the Black woman who thinks that everyone is out to get her, because we are not. Monique, let's just regroup and get yourself back together. Well, my thing is this, right? Like you can go blow to blow, toe to toe with DL, okay? Because I love DL. You know, I like DL, CNN, you know, show DL because politically I think that he says a lot of the things that everybody's thinking, right? But this D, and I can understand when you talk about people that are political, which DL is, from my perspective, he's very political. People don't like that. You know, people don't like having conversations about politics. They don't like having conversations about abortion. That's so I don't talk about either one of them at work. And I do women's health and I don't debate with people on abortion. I just don't. Whatever you, whatever is your opinion is your opinion. I respect that. Okay. And we can agree to disagree and move on. But Monique, it's bad. You can't bring other people's families in it. You know, like if you don't like me, that's fine. You don't have to like me. 
You don't want to listen to Oh, That's Deep? Okay, one monkey don't stop no show. You don't have to listen. Move on, okay? But when you talk about my child, oh, we going to have, I have some words to say. Don't bring my child into none of this conversation. Don't bring none of my family into the conversation. That's when you're going to have hell to pay. So I think that, you know, Monique tries to, you know, be funny and dig deep and hit below the belt. I don't know if it's to get more attention. I don't know if it's to keep her, you know, on the social media shave room. I don't know. It, it maybe it makes her a little relevant to be so controversial. Um, but that's just just that's just a low um, a low blow, um, especially when you talk about somebody's wife, you know, and the things, the acts they do in the bedroom. You know, I, you know, how can she do such and such to a coward? You know, I'm like, whoa. Below the belt right there, okay? Uh, that's how people get shot, okay? that The comments like that are reason why you shouldn't be able to buy a gun off the shelf. I'm just saying. So she was uh, she was just dead wrong. Like, there are certain things you just cannot do um, that's disrespectful. And speaking of that kind of disrespect, Janine, what's on your timeline this week? Okay, so unfortunately, I guess fortunately, I don't know. Unfortunately, cheating is common occurrence as we know, that I would say pretty much almost everyone has dealt with. So you've either been cheated on, cheated with, or you yourself are the cheater. So it's not something that is foreign to pretty much anyone, right? So we're going to chat about it today, but we're not specifically chatting about cheating. We are chatting about the results of what happens when someone cheats or is suspected of cheating. So this week, a story surfaced. And the story is, it seems to be a bit old. There's some conflicting dates. So some places are saying that this happened in 2020. Some places are saying that this happened just a month ago. Either way, it happened. So the story is quite disturbing. And I'm going to give a brief trigger warning to anyone who might have recently lost someone. You might want to skip past this. So if you've suffered a loss, giving you a couple seconds to Press the skip button, get on past the story. Okay. So the story is of Augustine, a woman named Augustine Gladney, who was 40 years old, and a man named Ernest Smith, who was 38 years old. Now, the two were in a relationship, and Augustine suspected that Ernest was cheating on her. And I say suspected that he was cheating on her because all of the articles that I've read, and it's about five or six of them from NBC to, um, Black Enterprise to several other articles, basically never confirmed the cheating allegations. So we're going to say that Augustine just suspected Ernest of cheating, right? And we haven't heard anything from her that says that she confirmed that he actually was cheating. So it's just an allegation. So she suspected him of cheating and he left their home. And when he left, Augustine took the ashes of Ernest's deceased mother to Lake Worth in Texas and emptied them into the lake. She then threw the entire urn that she had emptied the ashes from into the lake as well. So when Ernest returned home, he noticed that the ashes and the urn were missing. I guess he probably thought that, you know, most people keep ashes, I guess, on a mantle, someplace where it could potentially fall down and break. So. He kind of, I guess, was trying to figure out what happened to the ashes, but wasn't really clear, just knew that they were no longer there. 
Now, if they had fallen off and broken, it happens, right? But this wasn't the case. So when he came back, he was inquiring, didn't really get an answer. It wasn't until Ernest overheard Augustine having a conversation with her daughter saying that she had dumped the ashes into the lake, did he realize what happened to his mother's remains. Now, after he found out, which again, this could have actually happened in 2020, we are not sure, there are conflicting stories, or it happened in 2022. So it either was he found out very recently from something that happened two years ago, or he found out a couple of weeks after this happened. It's not clear. So Ernest was unable to contact, like after he found out what happened, I guess Augustine wasn't taking his calls because at this point, I'm assuming that they're not really together as much. So she stopped taking his calls. He finally was able to contact her after some days of attempting. And when he did, she admitted via text message because she wasn't answering the phone, but they were texting that she had in fact dumped his mother's ashes into the lake. So as a result of Augustine's shenanigans with his mother's ashes, she was arrested and charged with abuse of a corpse. So in Texas, abuse of a corpse is a class A misdemeanor, not a felony, a misdemeanor, but it carries a $4,000 fine and up to a year in prison. So she currently still remains in custody. Now, I would like to clear up this portion of the timeline. She was not actually arrested on for this until May the 4th of 2022. So she remains in custody from May the 4th of 2022, even if this the actions did take place in 2020. Nicole, now, you and I both know that, I don't know if you've been cheated on, but I've been cheated on before. And we know what this feels like, right? So we know you get mad. you so angry you could literally kill the person who cheated on you. But for me, I feel like I appreciate my freedom too much to kill someone who has cheated on me, and I feel like they're not worth my freedom. And I would like to think that my faith keeps me a little grounded so I don't go off the rails and kill people. So we'll say that those are the things that stopped me. Now, my question to you, Nicole, is, is it worth going through all of this? I mean, I know that she didn't put her hands on him, and I know that she didn't try to kill him. It's just something super disrespectful when you bring someone's mother into it, especially when the mother is deceased. And then you essentially get rid of one of the biggest symbols of your mother's memory in a lake because you're mad because your boyfriend cheated, not even your husband, your boyfriend cheated. I don't know, Nicole. I don't personally think it was worth it. What do you think? That's just dumb. I mean, it's a state jail felony. I mean, I don't care if it was a slap on the wrist. It has just gotten you a record. And now there are certain things that you can't do with the record. So, so this man is worth time in your life. This man is worth you not being able to be gainfully employed for the rest of your life. This man is worth you having to explain why you have an arrest record forever like she wasn't thinking and it's not that she was enraged because I mean people do snap 
And during the pandemic, people have been snapping even more, right? Because you've been cooped up, you've been trapped up, you haven't been able to be socialized like you normally would have. You're anxious, you're watching TV, you're watching Black Lives Matter, you're watching people die, you're afraid to go out, you're afraid to get pulled over, you're afraid you're going to get COVID, and then your man goes and cheats on you, and he might have brought you back COVID, I don't know. But either way, it's still like you literally had to sit there and just fester in your anger to say, this is what I'm going to do. Like, what can I do? What's going to make him even madder than I am right now, right? I'm going to go and throw his mama in the lake. I mean, really? I mean, his his deceased mama ain't do nothing to you. She gone. And real talk, I know that this man's feelings are hurt, but she already gone, you know? And so that's just like hurtful on a lot of levels. And you know me, I'm always the person that says, don't mess with me because you can't, you know, don't get mad about how I react to what you did to me because you can't control my reaction. But this time it's just, it's just too much, like just too much, too disrespectful. And I, I don't even, I don't feel bad for her. She was just dumb. I mean, that's just dumb. Like you're not even thinking about your own future. You're so intertwined into trying to make this man angry that you real talk filmed yourself or somebody else filmed you. You either creatively propped that thing up <laughs> in the window or you had somebody else that was somebody silly. That's your accomplice that filmed you. You parked your car on a bridge. You walked with the urn on the bridge and then you dumped the ashes out over the bridge. I mean, are you even think? What happens if you got pulled over? You got a ticket. You got hit by a car because your car is in the middle of the street on a bridge. You know, like, I don't think that she was thinking. She was just so enraged that she just wanted to do whatever she wanted to do to get back with this man. Remember when Jasmine Sullivan was like, what would you do for the D? Okay, but this is one of the things that should have made the list, the crazy stuff that people do for the D, because this is just psycho. This is crazy. And she deserves to be in jail. Her little mugshot, she crying. Don't cry now. Don't cry now. Because you did it. And then you were stupid enough to record yourself doing it. And then you were stupid enough to text and say you did it. If you did it, just go to sleep knowing that you did it. Like, go to sleep. You're grinning peacefully. Don't record it. Don't leave no evidence. Don't leave no paper trail. You thought you were cute. That's why I threw your mom. You know, why? Why? Just dumb. Now you're arrested. Going to jail. You've lost your job. It's crazy. I think a couple of things. She probably didn't really think that there was a felony for, or a misdemeanor, a charge for getting rid of someone's ashes. Like, in my mind, I wouldn't think, hey, if I throw these ashes out, it's a felony. Because... You know, people not like I said, people knock over ashes all day, every day. Right. Like and you don't even know. I mean, this is the skeptic in me, but you don't even know if they're they're really a person's remains in the, the urn or not. You just hope. Right. So I get it that she probably wasn't thinking, especially if she thought that she was getting cheated on. But my my philosophy has always been this. If I catch you cheating on me, first of all, let me go back for a second. I don't personally believe that people are naturally monogamous. And I also believe that you should leave 
room in your relationship for conversations about potential infidelity. If you are in a relationship and you believe that the person that you're with will sustain your every need and desire for the rest of your life, you are delusional. That is not the case. That's not even possible. If someone could, could sustain your every need and desire for the rest of your life, they would be God. That is not going to happen. So at some point, you are going to look and see something or someone that is more desirable than the person that you are with. And at that point, you need to have a conversation with the person that you're in a relationship with saying, hey, these are the feelings that I'm having. This is how I'm feeling about it. And if you feel like you want to try that out, then you need to have a conversation with the person that you made the commitment with, right? But let me, so I don't think that people are naturally monogamous, but I don't feel like it gives you an excuse to cheat. I feel like if you have desires to be with someone else, you need to be mature enough, especially at 40 years old, because she's 40, to have that conversation and say, this is how I'm feeling. I, I feel like I would like to explore this outside of our relationship. And if you're not mature enough to have that conversation, then you're not mature enough to be in a relationship. That's my personal feeling about it. Having said that, at 40 years old, you are also old enough not to let your wants hurt you. So you're old enough to know, hey, or he's 38, I feel like I'm about to cheat. I need to leave this relationship. So no one is without fault in this situation unless he actually was not cheating. But you also know, like, relationships are temporary. Everything in this life is temporary, including this life. So is it worth it long-term for someone who is cheating on you for you to do something that is this hurtful and permanent because you can't get the ashes or the urn back once it's in the lake? What you going to do? Go round up the muck at the bottom of the lake? That's not how this works. So I, I would like us to be more mindful, and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, of your feelings are very temporary and very small in comparison to these large actions that we're taking as revenge towards the person who we think hurt us. I just think that this is so unnecessary. I think it's super dramatic. And I think that this is why people think like, eh, maybe I don't want to be in a relationship because people do crazy things. And this is why people don't commit because this kind of crazy stuff happens because there's no confirmation that Ernest was actually cheating. So you've done all of this and you've hurt not just him, but the other family members as well. And for what? So you can pay $4,000 and sit for 365 days in prison? Girl, get your life together. Because at 40 years old, it sounds like you just out here wild and you need to mature a bit. That's how I feel. Well, listen, I don't care if he was having threesomes in, in your house while you at work for you to go and throw somebody's mama's urn into a lake that remains into a lake. It's just, that's just an all time love. It's just, that's just low. And and again, like, why are you bringing somebody's family in this? Like, that's hurting the whole family, not just him. That affects way more than him. People are not thinking before they react. You got to think about it. And I mean, listen, that must have been some good good for her to be like so mad that he cheated. For her to go do this. I just don't even understand how somebody could get that mad unless they are truly unstable. 
Which brings me to this. I keep on saying, oh, we need to be selective with our vaginas. But these men, y'all got to be selective with the D too. Because what was the red flag? He had to have seen some red flags before now that made him think this chick is crazy, right? The first time, she, this is not the first time she snapped, okay? She had to have snapped the first time over something else. And he begged and they got back together, what have you. But sometimes you see those red flags and you should think, okay, if this is the beginning, you know, what, what is this going to metamorph itself into? Because it's coming, right? And this, no sane person is going to do this. So my thing is, I wonder what happened before. What did she do before that should have been the aha moment for him to get his stuff and say, you know what? Let me sneak off, go get my own place, not tell her where I live, and move on, right? Let me just move on from this chick because this chick got stable before he got in too deep. Because this couldn't have been the first time. She had to have done something stupid before. Had to have. Nobody's going to risk it all that hasn't already sort of like skated on the, you know, on the wild side. Like, I'm going to just see how much I can get away with with this dude. She had to have done something before that. And he let it slide. I'm going to say it's the age because, you know, and Nicole, you and I have talked about this before. We have friends that when it starts creeping up in age, the biological clock starts ticking. Same thing with men. Biological clock starts ticking. And subsequently, people will overlook red flags that everyone else is looking at them like, um, are you sure this is what you want to do? But you overlook them because you feel like Overlooking the red flags is easier than continuing along with your single life as it is. Let me tell you this, and Nicole and I have said this a number of times. Marriage is not easy. It's a constant work that you have to do every day that you wake up. You love your husband. You love your wife. But at the end of the day, they will annoy you. It's inevitable. You have to make a conscious decision to be with this person every single day. And to be respectful to this person every single day, rushing into that because you feel like there's some arbitrary like clock that's telling you that this is the time that you need to be married and in a relationship and have kids is ridiculous. But it's those kind of thoughts and those kind of feelings that get us into these kinds of relationships where you outside standing on the bridge about to get hit by cars, dumping ashes into lakes. Just saying. I'll say this. Yeah, it is definitely an everyday decision. When I say everyday like, I'm sure my husband thinks the same thing. I roll over and I'm like, I guess I'm still married to you again today. And I'm sure he thinks the same thing. You know, sometimes we get busy. Maybe we forget to ask ourselves at the end of the week. We're like, okay, we're going to go to the next week. Okay, yeah, we're going to go to the next week. I guess we stay married. It is an everyday decision. It's not It's not easy. It is definitely not easy because you, you go from just yourself having to make decisions for yourself and then you go to, I already know what my decision is, but now I got to think about him and how that decision is going to affect him and what he going to say. Okay, now what's his decision? Okay, well, I don't really agree completely with his decision, but I'm going to go with it this time because the next time he going to have to go with mine. And okay, wait, wait, maybe my decision is better for the child, but his decision is better for, it's a lot to think about when you think about more than just yourself. So, uh, yeah, but this woman wasn't thinking about nobody except for herself and how she felt. Just saying. 
All right. So, Janine, let's help our listeners uh, talk through some of these letters of some other people who really weren't thinking. Let's do it. All right. So my letter reads, Nicole and Janine, my best friend is just scandalous. Ooh, ain't that a way to start out a letter? There's no other way to describe it. She was dating this guy casually. She was hanging out with other people and so was he. Well, he decided to end their casual entanglements because he was getting more serious with someone else. Well, at first she acted as if she didn't care, but then she went loco. She drove by his house one night and threw a brick through his window and sped off. I was on the phone with her at the time and was in total shock. Then she called and told him she was pregnant. She kept that lie going for months, even telling him about appointments and texting ultrasound pictures, although I don't know who they were for. She even told her family she was pregnant, which prompted her family to start harassing him about taking care of the baby. She wore a fake baby bump she bought online. It can be aired up depending on the weeks of pregnancy. Then she told him she had a miscarriage due to emotional distress. She planned a memorial service and everything. Her family published a poem in memory of the baby, Jeremiah, that was the baby's name, in the paper. To this day, no one else knows the truth but me. She ruined this man's life, made him pay half on a memorial service for a baby that never existed. I feel sorry for him and her family and am contemplating telling everyone. Ladies, do you think this is a good idea? Isn't honesty the best policy? Lashina. Lashina, I don't think you should say anything. And I'm sorry, because at this point, you are an accomplice in this situation because you knew and you didn't say anything before the memorial service and you allowed these people to spend this money and you should have said something. If you were going to say something, you should have said something before the memorial service. Now, I get it. It's not really your place to say anything. It's really your friend's place. So she needed to have said something. But I wouldn't. I, girl, if you kept it up this long, you take this to your grave because it's none of your business at this point. But I would suggest that you suggest to your friend that she get some psychological counseling, because I know of a couple of people who I will call them acquaintances because I would not consider them friends who have played this game with people. Let me tell you something. There's nothing more hurtful than losing a child that you've never met for the person carrying it or the person who helped you to conceive this child, right? There are just certain things like ashes and family members and children, babies that you don't play with. They're off limits. I mean, for goodness sakes, were you raised by wolves? You don't do this. That is such terrible karma. Like, I don't know what would get through to your head, but I mean, the basic rule that they teach you in elementary school, if you wouldn't want someone to do this to you, why would you do this to someone else? This is borderline psychotic. I mean, like we might should get her tested to make sure that she's okay to be alone and by herself and sustain living on her own because this is, something is wrong with your friend. This is not okay. It's not acceptable. And girl, honestly, the fact that you let it go on to the point of the memorial service and didn't say anything, 
I get you probably thought that it's your friend's situation and she has to be the one to come out and say something. And and what do you even call it? The proper atonement, I guess, at this point to say, hey, you know, I thought that this was going to work. It didn't work. And now I've gone through all of these hoops. I apologize. I don't think that anyone is going to forgive her for this, but it is her responsibility. But now that you've allowed all of this to go on this far and the fact that she hasn't said anything, you got to take this to your grave, too. You should better act like you with the family and the boyfriend, husband, whatever he was, the baby's daddy. You got to pretend like you're with them and you have no idea what's going on because this I mean, I hate to see the karma that's coming to her to her because that that is some real underhanded, conniving, vicious, evil, cruel behavior. It just is. What do you think, Nicole? So I agree with everything you just said. Um, but what I want to know is, Lashina, did you go to the memorial service? Like, let's let how involved were you? I know you were in shock when she threw the window, you know, brick through the window. And what probably happened is she threw the brick through the window. She sped off. The friend was on the phone, right? They were like, oh my God, girl, I can't believe you did that. Ha ha, I can't believe you did that. Ha ha, right? And then she realized that she didn't get the reaction she wanted, right? Because it's all about how mad can I make him? I'm mad, but how mad can I make him? And a couple of things. He probably didn't know who threw it through, through his window, right? Because he could have been like any teenager could throw him through the window. So then she was like, okay, he's not hurt by me. He probably wouldn't got that window fixed the next day. It cost him a little bit of change, but it didn't, you know, hurt him unless somebody physically got hit by the brick, which obviously we didn't hear that in this letter. But she didn't get the reaction she wanted. So she had to go deeper to get a better reaction that she knew was directly from him, right? And then she had to make sure that she heard him even more. I mean, you kept this up for months. And then faked a miss you faked a baby and then faked a miscarriage so you hit him again you know there's something to be said about people that want a reaction and for me I would tell Lashina this may not be your friend and if it is your friend she don't need to be because this kind of person once they feel jealous of you they are going to come after you And if somebody can lie on their own wound, they can lie on you. And somebody can lie on the death of a child, publishing stuff in the paper. Then you think this person is going to be loyal to you? You think this person you can trust? You can trust this person won't do everything to lie, steal, cheat, manipulate the situation how they want have the situation all to make sure they're getting the attention they deserve because this is not like a man who cheated on her this is not a man that she was serious with her this is somebody she was casually dating she was dating other people he was dating other people nowhere in this letter did you say oh she loved him she wanted to be serious with him she was rejected by him no y'all were kicking it and he decided he wanted something a little more stable and told you that's what he wanted, which is very mature. You know, I always say, if you don't, if you know you want something else, say it, right? He told you and you were cool with it. I'm cool. Ain't nothing. On to the next. 
And then you got mad. You got mad and jealous. So, you know, that kind of thing about somebody that she really wasn't serious about is to me eye-opening and alarming. So if I were you, I would ease myself on out of that friendship. Yeah, perhaps I would just not answer the phone as much, not hang out as much, um, try to distance myself from this person. And I would probably tell her, you know, hey, you should probably come clean because I don't want no parts of this. I don't want no parts of, of you, you lying about somebody's memorial service. That's just not right. That's just not right. I feel like there's a special place for people that do things like this. So my letter says, hi, ladies, I miss my ex. I'm 39 and my recently divorced ex-husband is 38. We were married for 10 years before getting a divorce in January. Let me explain our situation. My husband would come home late and often he would claim that he was working longer shifts or taking on extra shifts. But I never believed him because it always seemed that we were living check to check. Me, being the skeptical wife, went through his phone and found that he was constantly communicating with one of our neighbors down the street who normally watches our children. We will call her Jasmine to protect our identity because she did nothing wrong. I confronted him about this talking and he denied it. He explained they just talk because of the kids. I didn't outright accuse him of cheating, but I definitely had a heated discussion with him about why he needed to talk to her so much. I didn't have proof, but I felt like he was hiding something from me. Because I felt like he wasn't acknowledging my feelings, I allowed my thoughts to get the best of me, and I keyed his car and destroyed all of his clothing, either by fire or by chemicals. As it turns out, he was actually working extra hours. He was putting money away for the groundbreaking of our new home. The entire time I was cutting up, he was saving to ultimately build us the new home that we had always discussed. He had been coordinating childcare with Jasmine. Once the home was built, he moved into the home, served me with divorce papers, and I'm still in our old space. He says that he didn't want to be with me anymore because I don't trust him and he doesn't want to be in a marriage without trust. We just divorced in January, as I mentioned, but ladies, I want my husband back. How can I get my family back together? Signed, Belinda. Belinda, you messed up. I mean, listen, um, you made an ass out of yourself and burned up all this man's belongings over some jealousy stuff because you got insecurity issues and you expect for him to what move you back into the home and say oh i love you and i'm gonna leave you with all my stuff again so you can get jealous again and burn up all my stuff <laughs> move on because he's not gonna take you back um i wouldn't take somebody like that back if you're gonna burn up all my stuff over me working long hours to get money for a down payment on a house why would i trust you in my house again I mean, next thing you're going to do is burn down the house itself. So, and you might burn down the house with him in it. So, no, I would not. You, she needs to move on. So, this is what you do. You live and you learn. Now you know how to treat people. And now you know how not to make an ass out of yourself. 
So you are going to be a better person if you ever find somebody else that's going to treat you as good. You'll be a better person for the next man. You know, otherwise you can try. You can ask, can you go to counseling? You can, you know, ask him on a date. You can you can try to start over, but I seriously doubt he would give you another chance. I mean, he seems very logical. You burned up all my possessions and I don't trust you and I don't want to be married to somebody that can't be trusted and can't trust me. So that makes perfect sense to me. I think that she needs to stop wasting her time. And I think that she probably needs to move on um, because she was acting ridiculous. And now she has nothing. That's what happens when you react without getting proof. You have to have proof. So don't react and make an ass out of yourself. And now you're like, well, it's me. Ladies, help me get my man back. No, you can't be burning up people's stuff. Burning it up? I mean, I can see if you bagged it up you know, put it outside or something like that or left, you know, leave. But when you're, you know, burning people's stuff up, you know, and they hadn't done anything. I don't understand how she didn't know he was working long hours. Like call the job. I, I don't understand. You you should know. I mean, get in your car, follow him to work. Do some, that kind of crazy stuff I can understand. Like if you need to see for yourself, follow him, but don't assume and burn somebody's stuff up. That's crazy. That takes too much in. Not only did he did she burn up his things, she burnt his things and she keyed his car. Now, I'm with you, Nicole. Why didn't you just follow him to work? Or why didn't you, you said that you didn't accuse him of cheating? Why didn't you just ask him what he was doing? He seems very methodical. The fact that he was working long hours and taking extra shifts so that they could break ground on your home that you all had previously discussed, I guess he was trying to surprise you and just have it be done so that you could move in. And you just got to the point where you just couldn't, you just couldn't control yourself anymore because clearly there's no proof of this. And if the lady had watched your kids before, why wouldn't you just assume that he was talking to her about the kids? And if you went through the text messages, what did the text messages say? Did it say, Oh, I love you, baby. Or was it like, Hey, I'll meet you in 10 minutes with the kids. Like you're not giving us enough context, but yeah, I'm with Nicole. Um, Belinda, I think you messed up on this one and maybe we should try to start working on husband number two and leave him be because he seems to be very definitive with his actions. At least he lets you stay in the house that you all have now or that you all had. He just moved out and hopefully he's still taking care of the kids and has a good relationship with the kids. But I think you probably messed up the relationship that you have with your ex-husband. And I think that you should let it go. Even if there is some hope for you all to get back together, I think that you just need to give it time because he probably still is hurting right now. He's probably angry and hurting and doesn't want to hear anything you have to say because I wouldn't want to hear anything that you have to say after you were accusing me of cheating and acting a whole fool and destroying all of my things while I'm working double time and triple time to get you a house. Nah. I'm okay. I think you need to give him some time and let him be. And maybe this wasn't the relationship for you all. Maybe you need to move on. Yeah. I. This don't sit well with me because you didn't even ask him. Like you didn't even say, what are you doing when you are not here? How are you going to leave me in this house with these kids? Where are you going? I need to know where you're going. So to me, that means that they had issues with trust and they had issues with communication which is just, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Move on. 
I agree. If somebody is bringing out your toxic traits in this manner, you don't, y'all don't need to be together. You all could be great people, but you can be the greatest person and still not be the right person for somebody who's not meant for you. Just move on. This is, it didn't work. Cut your losses and find you a good, find you a good love in your forties. Agreed. So Janine, what did you learn new this week? Okay, so I found this study. It was called America's Generational Gap in Extramarital Affairs. Pretty interesting. So it came from the Institute of Family Studies. And 20% of older couples, and that's couples over the age of 55, noted that they had cheated during their marriage. Only 14% of couples under the age of 55 reported adultery in their marriage. So it seems that the older generations are cheating more than the younger generations. And I think that we've talked about this before, so this is not technically learned something new, but let's remind the folks of 50% of people who cheat on their spouses actually come to their spouse and admit that they cheated. So all this digging that you all are doing to try to figure out things, you don't got to really do the digging. At some point, there are people in this world that still have a conscience, And at some point, it's likely that if your spouse cheated on you, they will come to you and say, you know what? I cheated. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. It happened when. And, you know, it's, you know, it's really interesting because this is actually something that I've, I learned. Married men reported their highest rate of infidelity. Guess what decade? In their 70s. So ladies, all of us who are out here worried about our 30, 40 I mean, even 20s, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60-year-old men. The biggest, highest rate of infidelity happens for men when they're in their 70s. Now, I'm not sure why that is, but yeah. And men are actually 25% more likely to have one-night stands than women, which which that's not surprising. But I think the most surprising thing is why is Pop-Pop out here cheating? That's what I want to know. Why is, why is Pop-Pop out here cheating? Pop-Pop, this right here is why nursing homes have such a high rate of sexually transmitted disease. Pop-Pop, I'm going to need you to keep your Peter in your pants, Pop-Pop. Okay? What did you learn new this week, Nicole? Pop-Pop out there be a hot boy. I'm telling you, swinging and danging. <laughs> Pop-Pop. But why? In your life. 70s... In your 70s, you need to be enjoying life with your life partner. I mean, your 70s, though, like, you got a good three decades and some change left. Like, why are we out here slinging and dinging in our 70s? What is happening? Pop-Pop needs to be under control. Pop-Pop said he going to get him a younger woman. Listen, ladies, that vaginal dryness, listen... Y'all better go talk to your talk to your OBGYNs. Lubrication is key and you don't have to lose that, okay? Make sure you get that checked out because Pop Pop is still trying to get popped off. So uh, y'all better get it together. Pop Pop ain't tired. Pop Pop ain't hang with the fellows. Pop Pop out there, wow. <laughs> 70s, yeah. Just nasty. Still nasty. Uh, anyway, 
So what I learned since I had uh, this Let's Talk Through It about the pregnant woman, I did a little bit of digging on. I tried to find, hey, how common is it for someone to lie about a pregnancy? But I couldn't find that stat. Apparently, it's super common um, because all the stats are like all over the all over the place, which is sad, right? That it's just like common to lie about pregnancy. But I did find some information, uh, of course, from a scientific journal, Reproductive Biology and Endocrinology, about pseudosciesis. Now, of course, I'm an OBGYN. So pseudosciesis is the belief, the true belief that you think you're pregnant, like you feel pregnant. No one can tell you you're not pregnant. And sometimes that's because of something going on. Like maybe there's a mass growing in your abdomen. So your belly is protruding. You might be feeling things moving because of like issues with your bowels. Like, or there could be something psychological that's really causing you to believe that you're pregnant. Now, this is rare, but the incidence is one in every 250 pregnancies is actually pseudosciences, not real. Now, Nicole, you know, because I've called you about this before, but Ken and I actually know someone who suffers and has been suffering with pseudosciences for almost a decade now. Y'all, you can't be pregnant for a decade. That's all I got to say. This is... <laughs> it's not funny Aww. because, I mean, people with pseudosciences really do think they are pregnant. They do. You know, I've done ultrasounds on people to show them there's no baby. And hey, we need to do another workup because we need to figure out why your belly is so big. And they are like pissed, right? Um, so it's not really funny, but it, you know, there are people that really think that they're pregnant. It's really sad. Are you ready for the motivational moment? Let's do it. Ladies, listen to me. Listen, listen, Linda, Linda. Whatever he did, he ain't worth it. Someone who doesn't value you enough to treat you right isn't worth you losing your mind, your dignity, or your freedom, you deserve more. So move on to the next one. Until we meet again, pray, work, slay, and show off your melanated excellence. Bye! Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversations is produced by Nicole Lee Plenty and Janine Brunson-Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Get the Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or where you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate us. You can follow Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversations on IG at Oh, That's Deep BWC. Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversations is a Mean Old Lion Media production.